There is no understating the importance of first-party studios when discussing the best console around. And During the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One generation, the argument was always that Sony had better first-party titles, and there was truly no counter to it. Some of the best games of the past decade were exclusive to the PlayStation 4, including Horizon Zero Dawn, Bloodborne, God of War, Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Part 2, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, and the list goes on. The thought occurred. We all know just how important first-party studios are, but we don't really have a rating scale for these studios. Sports are much easier. You can easily see someone's batting average, or how many touchdowns, or how many triple-doubles, but when it comes to gaming, it feels a little more in the gray area. It feels like studios are almost judged similar to popularity, where it becomes more about what the most recent release was, as opposed to the overall track record of the studio. When trying to figure out what studios to use, it felt best to leave the smaller studios out of the argument and focus only on the higher profile AAA studios that typically make blockbuster games or at least feel like they are on the cusp of mainstream success. For the first installment of studio ratings, we are only going to be focusing on Sony first party studios or as they are better known today, PlayStation Studios. This week on the Video Games Podcast. The first thing to figure out before giving these studios a rating based on their games is to figure out what criteria would be used when determining what studios are applicable. Rule number one, no one-hit wonders. We are only going to be including studios with at least two games on their resume. Rule number two, the studio needs to be fairly active, which means that only studios with at least two games over the past decade will be included. Rule number three, there is a recency bias. This means that their last effort carries the most weight towards the studio's final score, and this will be achieved by multiplying their most recent release score by 1.1. Before we start talking about the biggest studios in the portfolio, we will gather all of the smaller ones. The rest of the studios in the portfolio don't quite deserve the same recognition as some of the more household names. Housemark had mostly focused on their smaller indie arcade-style titles before 2021, which means that it will be really interesting to see how the studio uses the success of Returnal to springboard the studio's popularity with their next title. And Sony Bend feels like they are on an upward trajectory after the release of Days Gone that didn't fare overly well with critics, but had a lot of impressive features and potential. Media Molecule has only developed and released one game in the last 10 calendar years, which means that they're not going to be included in the list due to the rules that we laid out before creating it. Even though the engine behind Dreams is incredible, I don't think it broke through yet like Sony had probably hoped that it would, even though it had a lot of impressive features. Coming in at 8th place is Sony Bend with a studio rating of 79.05, and coming in at 7th is Housemark with a rating of 83.25. If there is one pattern to see with PlayStation Studios, it's how they have all evolved over the last two decades, and there is no exception for Sucker Punch Productions, who have come a long way since their first PlayStation title, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus in 2002. The game was both a critical and commercial success as it spawned two sequels that followed shortly after in 04 and 05, both of which were developed by Sucker Punch, but even many years later in 2013, Sly Cooper was still being developed, although this time not by Sucker Punch that created it, 
as they had moved on to other projects. Since their departure from Sly Cooper in 2005, the studio shifted their focus to Infamous in 2009, which was extremely well received by critics and fans alike. In the July 2010 issue of Game Informer that revealed the studio was working on the sequel, it was noted that the original had sold over 2 million units during its first year, and this level of success turned another above-average PlayStation studio into a team worth keeping an eye on. Infamous was followed up in the short years after with two full sequels and two full standalone expansions. In 2020, Sucker Punch took another giant leap forward as a studio with the release of Ghost of Tsushima. This open-world action-adventure game finally gave fans what they were looking for with an Assassin's Creed-style game with a feudal Japan setting. The big difference is that Sucker Punch went for a much more serious tone than what could have been expected from Ubisoft, and the results were much greater than expected. As announced by PlayStation on Twitter, Ghost of Tsushima became the fastest-selling first-party original IP debut with over 2.4 million copies sold in its first three days. And based on the history of the studio, upon quickly following up success with more like they did with Sly Cooper and Infamous, it would be very safe to expect a lot more Ghost of Tsushima content over the next five years. Sucker Punch comes in six with a rating of 85.65. Next up is Guerrilla Games. The Amsterdam-based studio has evolved quite a bit since 2004 when they released Killzone on the PlayStation 2, which is what the studio would become known for during the next decade. Everyone knows by now that Killzone was developed by Sony to have an answer for Microsoft and Halo, and although Killzone never quite became the Halo killer that Sony would have liked, Guerrilla was still able to make some excellent and at the very least visually stunning games along the way. Usually pushing the envelope with visual fidelity led Guerrilla into engine development which paved the way for the Decima engine which would go on to power Killzone Shadowfall which was a PS4 launch title that displayed the power of consoles at the time on the PlayStation 4. And not only was the Decima engine used for Killzone, but it was also the backbone behind the open world and critically acclaimed Horizon Zero Dawn which took Guerrilla Games from above average shooter developer with a cult following to mainstream tentpole developer for Sony. The strength of the Horizon series and Aloy was seen leading up to the release of the PlayStation 5 as the Guerrilla open world game was heavily featured in the marketing for the new console. Not only has developing Horizon taken Guerrilla into an all new echelon of developers, but it has also added a whole new level of awareness of the studio and this means that Guerrilla has a large opportunity for whatever it decides to work on after Horizon, whether that be an all new IP or a return to Killzone, there will definitely be a lot more eyes on the project with a greater chance of success in the blockbuster format. Guerrilla Games comes in 5th with a rating of 88.45. Next up on the list is Team Asobi, and with the recent disillusion of Japan Studio, it seems that Team Asobi is poised to carry the flag for the beloved studio that was known for creating some iconic experiences. Astrobot Rescue Mission was a VR title which could either be viewed as a pro or a con for the studio because it can't be easy to make a VR title, especially one that became what was considered to be essential or a system seller. The other title that Team Asobi made recently was Astro's Playroom, which was a pack-in with the PlayStation 5. Sure, it was fairly short, but it was a very polished experience that showcased all that the PlayStation 5 had to offer, including the SSD, the graphical power, and the DualSense. Team Asobi also now has most of the expectations of the now-defunct Japan studio, which people regarded highly. Team Asobi comes in fourth with a rating of 90.65. 
Next on the list is Insomniac Games, and it's hard to argue that any Sony first-party game development studio is on a hotter streak at the moment than Insomniac, who seem to be producing excellent games at an unbelievable rate. These aren't just mobile-quality games either. These are some of the best experiences available on PlayStation. With PlayStation 4, you had Spider-Man from 2018, which set the bar for superhero experiences, and with the launch of the PlayStation 5, Insomniac was ready with the smaller standalone game, Spider-Man My Morales and just a few short months later delivered another critically lauded title with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Insomniac also doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon with big reveals at the September 2021 showcase that featured their next two games including Marvel's Wolverine and Marvel's Spider-Man 2 which looked to feature Peter Parker, Miles Morales and Eddie Brock and let's not forget about the cult favorite and Xbox exclusive Sunset Overdrive. The IP was owned by Insomniac before their acquisition from Sony, which means that Sony now owns the IP, which means that there is still a possibility for that series to make a return in the future. And with over 400 employees working at the studio, who knows what the future holds for Insomniac, especially with Marvel IP, Sunset IP, and the Resistance Fall of Man IP. Insomniac Games comes in at third with a rating of 90.9. Next on the list is Santa Monica Studios, and if you look at the history of Santa Monica Studios, you will see one thing, God of War. And this isn't to discredit the studio's first game, Connecticut, which released in 2001 for the PlayStation 2, but if you look at the past 20 years of the studio, there is only God of War titles. After the release of God of War in 2005, it was clear that Sony had an epic action-adventure game on their hands with mainstream critical and commercial success selling almost 5 million copies, with the sequel selling similarly and performing critically better. The peak of the series was God of War 3, which took everything that everyone loved about the series and added a level of scope unimaginable on the PlayStation 2 thanks to the cell processing power of the PlayStation 3. It was only a matter of time before the series experienced burnout from the fans, not only with the mainline games developed by Santa Monica, but there were also many smaller supportive studios also releasing handheld and mobile entries in the series. In the eight years between 2005 and 2013, there were a total of eight releases, not including collections, and the fatigue became obvious with the release of God of War Ascension in 2013 from Santa Monica. As a huge fan myself of the series, even I skipped Ascension, and I still haven't played the game to this day. This was by far the coldest reception that the team had seen so far in the series, with an 80 review average and the sales being the lowest the studio had seen with Kratos. Gamers and the world were growing up and Kratos was staying behind. Santa Monica took their longest time in development since their inception with five years between the release of God of War Ascension and God of War 2018. It's clear that the studio had to take time to figure out how to evolve the character of Kratos just like Nathan Drake did in Uncharted 4. The God of War had to mature for a new audience. The amazing scope, the epic action was all still present, but most importantly, the story was very impressive with likely many at the studio starting their own families as well and experiencing a new chapter of life and the challenges that come along with it. The evolution of Kratos did not go unnoticed as God of War 2018 easily became the best-selling game in the series, selling over 10 million copies in its first year alone. And this has led to anticipation levels for the sequel, God of War Ragnarok, to be through the roof. Santa Monica Studios comes in second with a 91.7 rating. The final studio on the list is Naughty Dog. 
the house that built Crash Bandicoot will easily be the most divisive studio on this list. Not even discussing the massive hate that came from Naughty Dog's direction after some of the polarizing choices that the studio made on The Last of Us Part 2. Even before that game, people still find it easy to hate Nathan Drake and the Uncharted series for its unrealistic gameplay and its cartoonish nature. This view truly understates just how hard it is to make a blockbuster level game on the Uncharted level with amazing visuals, fun storylines which have evolved as the series matured, fantastic controls, and a level of polish rarely seen. When looking at the most release from Naughty Dog, which was The Last of Us Part 2 in 2020, it's hard to fathom that this is the same studio that started with games like Crash Bandicoot as well as the Jack and Daxter series back on the original PlayStation. With at least two internal development teams and over 540 employees, the only thing that the studio has expressed to fans is that they were, at least at one point, working on the multiplayer component for The Last of Us Part 2, and this knowledge came from the studio vocally telling fans before the release of The Last of Us Part 2 that multiplayer was once part of the plan but the game would not be releasing with it like it did with the first game with Factions Mode. Just posted to their social media account recently was the information that the studio was hiring aggressively across multiple disciplines for the studio's first standalone multiplayer game. The post also featured a picture of what looked to be Ellie standing outside of the downtown core of Seattle. With the combination of the pandemic and the recent skyrocketing popularity of Battle Royale style games, it is very likely that plans were changed along the way or the scope outgrew the initial vision. Moving from the light-hearted mascot adventure games of Crash and Jack to the action-packed Indiana Jones-esque series of Uncharted and finally to the extremely dark and oppressive post-apocalyptic world of The Last of Us where Naughty Dog decides to go from here is anyone's guess. Obviously, we know that the studio is working on this standalone multiplayer game, but that likely doesn't take all 540 employees. Since 2011, Naughty Dog has released games that include Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, The Last of Us, The Last of Us Left Behind, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and The Last of Us Part 2. This means that over the last decade, Naughty Dog has released six games, which is including their standalone expansions, because both of those titles would rival any full game from any other studio. At a rate of approximately one game every two years, we should be hearing something from Naughty Dog in 2022, but the pandemic obviously might have shifted this. At the very latest, I would still expect to see the next title from Naughty Dog in 2023. Naughty Dog comes in first with a rating of 97.65. It's not a huge surprise that Naughty Dog is the highest rated in Sony's stable of developers according to this list, and it's also a very good place to be when the lowest rated studio is Bend with a 79.5 coming off of Days Gone that amassed what feels like a huge cult following and also received a lot of post-launch support. Before assembling this list, the rules were created that would make the scoring fair for all studios and for the most part, the ratings reflect how most people feel about each studio. We also didn't include Polyphony as they are only known for creating the Gran Turismo series that doesn't have the mainstream potential of the rest of these studios. The only studio that I feel looks slightly out of place on this list is Team Asobi being as high as they are, but with their recent work, they have shown that they are more than capable of making a push into the mainstream. That's all for the Video Games Podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed putting this list together. If you did enjoy it, please consider subscribing if you haven't already, and even consider sharing this with a friend if you feel they would like it. As always, please remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, but more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. 